You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resurrection. I'm Father Jonathan. I'm one of the priests here. I want to extend a special welcome to you if you're a guest this morning. You are very welcome here. We have a coffee afterwards, yeah? Okay, all right. Stick around afterwards, especially if you're a guest. We'd love to meet you. We have great coffee out there in the, uh, what do you call that? The North X. I want to call it the North X, but that's not what everybody else calls it. They call it the lobby. There we go. All right. Uh, We are in a sermon series right now on the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians that we're calling Set Free. And this is a this is actually a great time to uh, to be going through the book of Galatians and talking about freedom. Uh, We are going to be obviously celebrating uh, Independence Day uh, in the United States tomorrow. So I don't know if you guys have plans for that, Uh, but today. We're going to be looking, about, looking at what Paul says genuine freedom is. We're going to be looking at the Christian declaration of independence. We're going to be looking at what Paul says freedom is and what it is to be used for. I mean, as Americans, we have a particular vision of what freedom is. It's the absence of constraint. It's the ability for us to do whatever it is that we want to do. Um, I mean, it's really close to the heart of what it means to be a contemporary American, uh, that we are sovereign and autonomous and self-creating individuals, right? I mean, that's very close to what we, we think we are and what we're told every day that we should be, right? That, that's the vision of the good life. That's the vision of what freedom is. But Paul tells us something a little different than that, doesn't he? In Galatians chapter 6, there's a lot of striking commands. Um, what, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be about? What are our lives supposed to be about? He's telling us that when we are set free, um, that that freedom is for something. It's, it's to be used in a certain direction, in a direction that causes ourselves and other human beings to flourish. He means, in Galatians, that we have been set free from the constraints of the present evil age and the power of death that marauds around the earth and lays waste to everything in order to serve Jesus Christ, to make his kingdom known in our midst. Am I right? Give me an amen. Amen. That's what our lives are about, people. The invitation in this letter to the Galatians is powerful. It is that we are liberated from the oppression that we have experienced in our humanity to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that we are now to seek our own flourishing and the flourishing of the world in the only place that it can be found, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, Father Perry took us through Galatians 5, which is a powerful passage. You remember in that passage, Paul says, it is for freedom that you have been set free. But don't use that freedom to satisfy your own lust, but use it to bless. And then he says, and Father Perry took us through this with, with great excellence last week. He, 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 Paul tells us that the only way that we will actually do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And then he lists for us, what does that look like in our lives when the Holy Spirit takes root and then causes us to do the work of Jesus Christ? Perry took us through that with great excellence last week. Now, now this week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be moving a little bit deeper into what does it look like when the Spirit grabs hold of our lives? Like, what's the fruit of that? Like, what does that actually look like when you cash it out in a community? That's what Paul is doing in Galatians chapter 6. Paul is telling us here that the triune God has set us free to work for the good of all. Okay? That's what this passage is about. We have been set free for this one purpose, that we might glorify God by doing good to all. The work of the kingdom does not stop 
at our own personal transformation. It's not that we're set free so that we might feel good about ourselves, right? That's not the end of the game here. That's not the end all and be all. In fact, Paul says pretty clearly, and Jesus also says in our gospel passage, that we're probably going to bear a cross. Like, that's what it looks like to live the Christian life, is that we are under the cross. That's painful, people. Like, that's not a, that's not a fun or happy experience, actually. It's actually a really painful experience. And yet, there is joy in it. There is tremendous, unbelievable joy in it. And Paul also says, not just joy in this life, but we look forward to the resurrection when the down payment that we have paid now will be paid back to us in full. And so what it looks like to live out the kingdom purposes, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, is that it doesn't just do its work in us, but it spills out from us into our homes and into our families and into the whole household of faith here at Resurrection. It spills out from here into our jobs, into the cafes and coffee shops, into the whole network of relationships that God has put into our lives. So when we talk about the biblical understanding of freedom, we're actually really close to the heart of the gospel. Because what freedom is, is to align yourselves with the kingdom of Christ and to pursue the reconciliation of all things to God in Jesus Christ. You get it? That's what freedom is. That's the Christian declaration of independence. Y'all, our lives are about something more than our own pleasure. They're about something greater. They're about the kingdom of God. So can we be on the lookout? Can we have this expectation that when we go from here, that God is going to be using us? God is going to be using us to announce this and to enact it so other people can see it? That they can say, maybe there is something more. Maybe there is, I have, this, I have this intuition, I have this feeling that something else matters besides the fulfillment of my own desires, but I don't believe it because I've never seen it. Well, I'm telling you, it is possible for us to live it here in our midst and to bring it to the world so that they can see it and they can say, oh, it is real. It matters. It's true. Flourishing is possible. The power of death is not everything. So it is true. What we celebrate, what we're celebrating tomorrow is true. Freedom does consist in the absence of constraint. I mean, just ask our brothers and sisters who live under the, under the thumb of a powerful tyrant or oppressor. I mean, they will tell you, it's really good to live without, with, with the absence of constraint, without any constraints, right? That's really good and a powerful thing. But it is equally true to say that if we have freedom, but we use it improperly for selfish ends to satisfy our own desires, then we can create even more misery and terror and destruction than if we didn't have freedom in the first place. I mean, the reason that Paul writes this critical letter to the Galatians is to say, you have been set free, and here's what it looks like to live as free people. It looks like this. Give your lives away. Use that freedom to glorify God by serving other people. And the revelation of the true nature of the cosmos that Jesus gives us in the incarnation. I mean, Jesus tells us what God looks like and what his purposes are, right? When he comes around and walks in the world and that we get to see that. Look at our gospel passage today in Luke chapter 10. Jesus tells us in this passage... um, He tells us what the ultimate source of calamity and suffering is. What the ultimate source of oppression is. And he says, it's not taxes. 
He says, it's not slavery. He says, it's not any of the cruelties and injustices that human beings design to destroy and oppress and afflict one another. Actually, the ultimate source of evil and calamity in the world is demonic. So what does he do? He sends out the 70, the 70 disciples with nothing. He doesn't even let them take money. And he says, just go out with the powerful word of God and preach the gospel. And they trust him. And they go out and they proclaim the gospel, the power of God over sin, death, and the devil. The true enemies of humanity. The true enemies of human flourishing. And they come back. And they, they're filled with joy. They're filled with power. And they say, Lord, even in your name, even the demons submit to us. And then Jesus lets them in on this secret that's been hidden since the foundations of the world. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Do you know what he means by that? He says, I saw the authority of Satan over this world broken. I saw it snapped in half like a twig. He's nothing. I saw that happen. And so therefore, I have authority over him. And I have authority to delegate that power to you. And so when you go to the demons and you say, submit, they will submit. And yet, don't count that your gain. Count it, that, count, it, count it gain that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that you have received eternal life, that you will experience the power of the resurrection now. And then at the end of days, when Jesus returns to us and raises all from the dead, we will get to experience the great joy of that. That's the hope. And what makes that possible is the fact that the authority of Satan has been broken. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying here. Look at his ministry. Look at his commission to the disciples. He does not topple the ruling authorities. He does not topple the financial system. He doesn't break the cruel system of slavery that roots the entire Roman way of life that he was living in. And by the way, it was a terribly oppressive and horrible system. He doesn't stop the brutal gladiatorial contests. He doesn't do any of that. Why? Could he not have done that? He could have done that. He could have been born a powerful emperor and destroyed, leveled the entire Roman way of life, the Roman system of, of doing things that was rooted in deep injustice. I don't know if you guys know the story of Spartacus. Spartacus was a, was a Roman slave. He was a gladiator, and he escaped in 73, 73 BC. And he, he, uh, he grew this entire army. It grew up to about 70,000 slaves and farmers. And he destroyed entire Roman legions, okay? I mean, it was astonishing. Some say that he was trying to end the system of slavery by force, by violence. He was trying to grab hold of the kingdom by force. And what happens? His army is scattered, decimated. 6,000 of his followers crucified along the Appian Way. That's not the way. That's not the way. Jesus says, that is not deep enough. That is not deep enough to end oppression. The only thing that can end oppression is by Jesus himself, who is very God, a very God, submitting to all of it, submitting to every bit of it, drinking the cup to its dregs, suffering on the cross. And when he suffers on the cross, he stabs the beating heart of violence and oppression. He says, it is finished. It is finished. That's where true liberation comes from, my friends. And when that thing happens, that thing that is at the source of all things that we cannot see, we don't see it. 
When that happens and we experience that by coming into relationship with Jesus Christ, our lives change. The invisible takes shape in the visible. A new community is established. A powerful new community where a different way of life is possible, a way of life that is not rooted in oppression and violence, but is rooted in the love that is at the very center of things because the triune God is an eternal relationship of love between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. It's at the center of all things, and he promises that it will win. And it is already won in Jesus Christ because he has stabbed the beating heart of oppression and violence. He has cast Satan down from the high place. He has bound the strong man. Amen? Amen. Amen. So listen, this is what Paul is telling us today. All that happened so that we might show forth the power of the gospel in this community. Now, Paul says, maybe here's the bad news for us as Americans. Here's what Paul says. This does not happen because we get to serve ourselves. We do not, we're not liberated from oppression so that we can serve ourselves. We're liberated so that we can be enslaved to Jesus Christ. He uses that strong language. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound good to us as Americans, does it? We have a bad history here, don't we? We have a bad history of looking at, of, of looking at another human being and saying, I'm going to use you for my own purposes. We have a horrible history of that. We have to repent of that, my brothers and sisters. We have not begun to reckon with that yet. We do not believe because of our bad history. We have no models of this. We have no models of how freedom can be consistent with aligning our wills with another person's will. If our wills are submitted to someone else's, for us, that is the very definition of oppression. David Bentley Hart, who's an Orthodox theologian, says this, Freedom for us is the perfect, unconstrained spontaneity of the individual will. Here's what that means. That's big language. Here's what, here's what he means by that. He means every desire that I feel, I should be able to act that out. I should be able to put that into practice. And that's what flourishing looks like. Every single channel of communication that we have in the United States right now, every commercial, every TV show, every ad, everything that we see pushes us in this direction. It says not only that this is the case, but that this should be the case. This is what good life looks like. And there was a sprint ad just a few years ago that declared, I have the right to be unlimited. You guys remember this ad? It's advertising a, a data plan, right? I mean, it's an unlimited data. I have the right to be unlimited, right? It's funny. It's funny. But, but you, good people, being media savvy, know that when someone is selling you a product, they're not selling you a product. They're selling you a vision of the good life. Am I right? I'm right about that. This one's really, this one's really explicit. <laughs> if you don't know that, that's true though. You know, like, <laughs> they're not just selling you products, they're selling you a good way of life, right? Okay, um, but, but listen, listen, this one's really explicit, right? We think that when every desire that we feel can be experienced or put into practice, then we're really free, we're really flourishing. The scripture is telling us actually today, our, our passage from Galatians is telling us that's an illusion, if we use freedom in this way, we are not in control. We think we're in control. We have the illusion of control because we're doing what we, what we want. But we are not serving ourselves. We are serving the kingdom of death. We're serving the kingdom of Satan when we use our freedom in that way. When we misappropriate our freedom in this way, the power of death and of hell marauds in us and through our actions it marauds in the relationships that we have in our institutions and in all the places that we inhabit. They're laid waste 
They're brought low. They're brought into death because we are not serving ourselves. That's an illusion. We are serving the enemy. We are serving Satan when we do that. We actually can't serve ourselves. We are not gods. We are not gods. We're like God, but we are not gods. And therefore, we must serve God or serve a surrogate God. We serve the powers and principalities of this world. We'll serve money. We'll serve sex. We'll serve the kingdom of Satan. We will not serve ourselves. You guys know Bob Dylan? I love Bob Dylan. I mean, what kind of question is that, right? I love Bob Dylan. I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, there's young people in the room. They've maybe never, never, never heard of Bob Dylan. Okay, but if you know Bob Dylan, you know that he became a Christian in 1978 while on tour. And the very next year, he came out with an album called Slow Train Coming. And on this album, he, he has a song called You're Gonna Serve Somebody. Beautiful song. It doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter what you have accumulated for yourself. It does not matter how many experiences you have. You're gonna serve somebody. You're gonna. It's not even an option. The only question is, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? So let's bring this back to what Paul is saying in chapter six of Galatians. Let's serve the right person. Let's serve Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Paul is speaking to the entire community of faith. He's not speaking to the clergy. He's speaking to the entire community of faith, which has been liberated from the cosmic enemies of, of Christ, which are sin, death, and the devil, as we've already said. And he's saying, this is what it looks like when that liberation has taken place. It means we become a place, become a community where there is no high-handedness in judgment, where people are restored gently. We tell the truth. We don't pass over things. We, we, we tell people the truth. But nonetheless, we do so without judgment. We do so acknowledging that we ourselves are sinners. In fact, one commentary that I read on this passage says that what Paul says, be careful that you do not fall into sin yourselves. He's talking about do not fall into the sin of high-handedness. Do not act like you yourself are above sin. When you restore others, acknowledge that you yourself are a sinner. That's what the community of grace looks like. Then he says, bear one another's burdens. What is he saying? He's saying, there are people around you, in your midst, who are so deeply needy, who are so broken, who are hurting so desperately. Do you know them? Are their pains your pain? That's what he's saying. Bear one another's burdens. Do not grow weary in doing right. That's what he says in verse 9. Whenever we have an opportunity, work for the good of all, especially those in the family of faith. Ronald Fong says this about this passage. He says, this is not lessening our obligation to the outside world. It's intensifying what we owe to each other in this room. We don't owe less to outsiders. We owe more to insiders. Y'all, we have work to do. We have so much work to do to demonstrate the kingdom of God to the world to become a community where there is life and vitality and freedom. Where others can look at how we live and say, I want that. That's our work. That is the mission that has been entrusted to us in the gospel. Jesus wants us to become a community of hope, a community of service, a community in which the seed of the new kingdom will take deep root the kingdom that will one day cover the entire earth like a blanket with God's shalom. 
may it find deep root in us. What would it look like, friends, if we became this kind of community? Let me make a couple of concrete suggestions to you. All right, you guys are sitting next to a bunch of people right now. Do you know them? Can you become curious about them? Invite them out to coffee. Invite them out to lunch. Have them over to your house for dinner. Just say like, hey, I saw you, and I want to know you. I want to know who you are. Can we get real? Can we even pass small talk and like discussion about TV shows? You know, I love all that stuff. I'm not saying it's bad. Start there, but go deeper. You know what I mean? I mean, don't be awkward. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, get to the awkward place. <laughs> Say, what's going on in your life? What are the struggles? Do you all know, we know, that there are people in this, con- this congregation who are struggling deeply with sickness, with addiction, with loneliness, with life decisions that feel overpowering. Joblessness and job instability. I mean, we are people filled with worry. Are we trying to bear that alone? Are we trying to allow other people in our congregation to bear that alone? Oh, let's get to know one another. One thing you can do is if, is if you don't have a table group, is to get plugged into a table group. And if there's not one that's close by to you, you can start one. Don't wait for your clergy. Don't wait for other people to say, hey, like, come join me in this service opportunity. Come join me in this community. Like, pray about where God is calling you to. Like, calling you to serve, calling you to put in. And then come to us and say, hey, I think God is calling me here. Who wants to join me? I promise you, people here would love to bless that, would love to participate in that. Y'all, there are, there are ministries that are going on in this church right now. Say you don't want to create something yourself. There are ministries going on in our church every single week that are behind the scenes that, that you don't see. You come in and it's already set up. We need help. We need you to come and lend your skills and your energies to that mission. Right now, our children's ministry is running on a skeleton's crew. We need people to volunteer for that. We need you to come along and say, we love our kids. We care about the next generation. We care about the transmission of faith. We want to see our children flourish. Come talk to us. We would love to put you in contact with Lauren and Cynthia, who can plug you in there and show you how to teach children. Y'all, it is the greatest joy of your life. Children are filled with wonder. The gospel is entirely fresh to them. And, it's, and, and they, don't require, they don't require a theologian. They don't require expertise. They require you to love them. Come serve with us. Come serve our children with us. Now, I get it. We are busy. Maybe it feels like I'm, I'm like, oh, just dispensing more work. I'm laying more burdens on your shoulders. And I know Austin is a big, sprawling place, and the I-35 and Mopac are permanently clogged arteries. I get it. You know? <laughs> I get that. You can't love on everyone here. You probably can't make it down here. If you live on the north side like I do, you can't make it down here multiple times a week. It's not realistic. But I tell you this, God has called you to a people. And if you're here at Resurrection, you have people that God has called you to here. I just want to give you one example. I don't think they're here today. I haven't seen them anyway. But Drew and Karina Hayes live on the north side close to us. And they said, we can't get down for a table group every week. We can't do that. So they started one of their own. They started it in their house. They opened up their apartment and they were like, hey, come on, we're just going to have dinner. Um, Come on, get to know us. Praise God, people. That's what we're talking about. Take the initiative. 
Pray that God would lead you to the place and mission where you need to put down. Where's your footprint in Austin? Who are the people that you are taking ownership and responsibility for? <clears throat> I mean, think about your neighbors and your coworkers, and the people that you connect with every single day, the, the other parents on your kids' sports teams, the kids on those sports teams. I mean, how, like, in what way are you praying for them? How are you, how are you knowing them well enough to be able to pray for them? I mean, y'all, this is the mission. This is the work. This is what we're called to as the community of God. We've been set free, friends, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not subject to the power of death. As we go and we celebrate tomorrow our Independence Day as a country, let us not forget that there is an even greater Christian declaration of independence. It is liberation from the true sources of oppression, sin, death, and the devil. So let's be the people of God and let's extend the presence of Jesus Christ in the household of God and our neighbors, in our neighborhoods. And let us offer our heads and our hearts and our hands to God and watch what he will do with them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.